Welcome back to the channel and thank you for watching. I'm a barrister who helps you understand law. Just as a caveat, nothing in my videos should ever be taken as formal legal advice. It cannot possibly be because I'm not sitting down with you to discuss your situation. However, with that said, there are times when it might be sensible to talk to the police. If perhaps just to quickly eliminate yourself from inquiries and it is immensely straightforward just to deal with it there and then. However, with that said, for the vast majority of times, if there's any likelihood at all that you're involved in something, it's better not to talk to the police, unless at least you've taken advice from a lawyer first. And in this video, I'm going to give you a broad explanation as to why that is. I'm going to do it by way of an example of a specific offence. Now, this doesn't matter what jurisdiction you are in because they all work broadly the same way. Let's take the offence of theft, which has five elements to it. An element of an offence is part of that offence which you must be liable for, you must be responsible for, in order for the prosecution of a case to successfully convict you of that offence. So if a defence has, let's say, two elements, an act and the intention, then they must prove firstly that you did the act and secondly that you had the intention. Now, with the example of theft, which I use frequently because it's a great example, because there are five elements of the offence of theft, the prosecution must prove each and every element of that offence. They must prove that you did each of these elements of the offence in order to convict you. However, the defence, on the other hand, your defence team, only have to show a reasonable doubt as to any one of these elements of the offence and you cannot be convicted because there has to be no doubt in a criminal trial. It has to be in various jurisdictions, have various definitions, but certainly in England and Wales and broadly speaking, most other places, it is beyond a reasonable doubt or beyond any reasonable doubt, or so that the jury are sure, or so that there's no ambiguity at all that you have committed each of the elements of this offence. So taking the offence of theft, there are five elements as I say. It is the dishonest appropriation of property belonging to another with the intention to permanently deprive that person of it. Now there are a number of examples and a number of exceptions which is why I say don't talk to the police unless you've taken advice from a lawyer first. Because the default position is that you cannot steal your own property because it needs to be property belonging to another. But as I say there are exceptions to this rule because if your property is say a vehicle and it's in a garage and they have a legal lien over your car because they've done work on the car which you need to pay for, haven't yet paid for, they have a lien over your car, which is a, a legal right to hold your car, your property. It's still your property, but you cannot just go take it back if they hold this lien over your vehicle. And if you did that dishonestly in order to avoid paying for their fees and so on, then suddenly you can find yourself in trouble, as one example. And I hope you don't mind a very brief interruption to this video for me to thank my sponsor NordPass who helps me to keep this channel going and growing. But I've said before I would never recommend something to you that I don't use myself. I genuinely use NordPass and I've paid for it for some two years now and I use it every day. 
It's very useful and valuable to me because it helps to keep my passwords safe and in one place. It helps me to generate long and complicated passwords without having to make them up myself and without relying on the same one for everything. It allows me to change that password quickly and easily. It allows me to share those passwords with somebody else when I need to. It also helps me to keep my credit card information in my NordPass app. So if I forget my wallet and I'm outside and I need to use a specific card, whilst all the information of course remains very secure inside the app, it does allow me to access that information when I'm outside and I've forgotten my wallet. Ultimately, I use NordPass to prevent other people from hacking my accounts by keeping the passwords complex and updated frequently and alerting me to any new dangers. And with any good sponsorship, there is something in it for you, the viewer. You can get an additional month free with my unique link on screen and in the description below. But thank you for giving me the time to thank my sponsor and now back to the video. So the dishonest appropriation, let's say you go to a supermarket and you put something in your trolley or your basket and obviously you're intending to buy it to pay for it, that's not dishonest appropriation. Placing it in a concealed bag or in your pocket, your back pocket or some other place that it wouldn't ordinarily be may well be proven to be dishonest appropriation. It might not be, but this is why you need to speak to a lawyer first. If you simply speak to the police about this appropriation of this article, you may not know whether it will be a dishonest appropriation or not. You may think that it's honest appropriation. The police might have an alternative idea. But the point is this, if you do not know the elements of the offence, you do not know which one of those the police are questioning you about. And they will ask you all sorts of questions surrounding whatever the subject matter is, trying to establish a fact pattern from you which they can later prove each of these elements of the offence. As I say, you may not know what these elements are, but the police do. The police are trained in what these elements are. They are trained to look for evidence to support each of these elements of the offence, and they will be gathering it. And remember the police caution, which again varies from jurisdiction to jurisdiction, but using the England and Wales as an example, you do not have to say anything, but it may harm your defence if you fail to mention when questioned, something you later rely on in court. But anything you do say may be given in evidence. And so the latter part here is, is at play. If you say something that actually makes it sound like it was dishonest appropriation, this may be given in court later. And it may have been the wrong thing to say. And you may have said it thinking that it's an innocent thing to say. You may have said it believing that this will be okay, when in fact, maybe that didn't even happen. Some people will say something thinking that it's the right thing to say, even though it didn't happen because they, they just think that that's the right thing to say. But then later on in court, it's brought up and given in evidence. You might then say, well, actually, I didn't mean that. But then again, if you fail to mention that when questioned, it may harm your defence. And the reason for that is consistency or lack of consistency. If you change your account when you get to court, it's not consistent. Many trials and trial lawyers and trial attorneys or in, in the UK, barristers or solicitor advocates will go to trial to prove inconsistencies in what someone has said. It might be during the police interview. It might even be on arrest. It might be any time in between, any interview in between, any defence case statement that's submitted and what ultimately you say in court. 
if those things are inconsistent, contradictory, then it will be put to a jury that perhaps you made it up or you've elaborated or expanded upon your evidence, in which case it's less reliable, less credible and therefore less likely to be believed. So back to the elements of the offence, taking theft again as the example. We've spoken briefly about the dishonest appropriation. Property belonging to another. So if it belongs to someone else and you are borrowing it, for example, then perhaps you didn't dishonestly appropriate it and it's property belonging to another. Perhaps there's a dispute over who owns the property. Maybe you jointly own it, but it might still be dishonest to take it away when you don't have the authority of the joint property owner. This might be something in dispute. So again, to the police, you might say, well, it's, it belongs to me, not just them. But that might still ultimately amount to dishonest appropriation. Comparing that with a like scenario with a children matter, simply because two people share parental responsibility does not mean that one person can just take the child away. That can still be considered to be abduction if they don't have the permission of the other uh, parental responsibility holder. So dishonest appropriation of property belonging to another. But is it property in the first place? There's a question over what is property? You may not know that something will or will not be property. Maybe it's intellectual property and you need to take advice on that. And you're accused of stealing something that may or may not be property, but you might not know that unless you've taken advice on it. And then with the intention of permanently depriving the other, well, think of the example of taking a vehicle without consent. This was a specific offence created because a very slight slip in the legal definition of theft meant that if a uh, defendant were to take a vehicle without consent of its owner, but intend to return it or dump it round the corner, joyriding as we call it in the UK. That doesn't really meet the elements of theft, but it does meet the elements of a, a linked offence called taking without consent. So this specific offence of taking without consent was created because it didn't necessarily meet the elements of theft because there was no intention to permanently deprive the person of it. We've known cases where we've had a, somebody take a vehicle and without consent, of course, but only want to use it to get them from A to B. But in doing so, they filled it with fuel as almost an apology to the person that owned the vehicle. It's still an offence of taking without consent. And there's, there was a discussion there between the owner of the vehicle and the prosecuting authorities as to whether they continue to prosecute for that offence because of course they filled the vehicle up so they actually benefited from the uh, the taking without consent offence. So for all of these reasons if the police come and speak to you and there is any possibility that you are involved in what they say you, you are accused of, what they want to question you about, maybe it was just a scuffle, maybe it was just a fight, maybe you ha were involved in something and you exercised self-defense. Maybe you assisted in the de detainment of another person and you then are asked to answer yourself for your actions on that day. Unless you've taken legal advice, you may not know that something that you say to the police might actually be proving one of the elements of the offense against you. So remember, when you are spoken to the police, 
a few tips and tricks that you might want to say to the police in response. Again, broadly speaking, whichever jurisdiction you are in. There are some exceptions to this, which I will go through. One of the things you might say to the police is, am I being detained or am I under arrest? Because if you're not being detained and you're not under arrest, then you've no obligation to speak to the police. Unless in England and Wales, if they suspect that you're involved in some kind of antisocial behaviour, then they can require your name and, and basic details. But otherwise, you're not com compelled to speak to the police at all. Unless, as I say, you're being detained or you're being arrested or you're under an official interview. Uh, but on that note, remember that even, even a voluntary interview under caution will still apply in the same way as an, a normal interview had you been arrested and detained and then interviewed. The interview carries the same weight, so you are still advised to take proper legal advice before having that interview. To avoid saying, as I say, the wrong thing. And the wrong thing may be, may be the truth but it may in fact not be in your interest to mention that at this stage because if that's the only thing that could prove one of these elements of the offence and that's all that the police have and they don't have anything else to prove the other elements of the offence even if one of them is absolutely clear-cut if they cannot prove the others then they cannot prove the elements of the offence and they you cannot get convicted for that offence but unless you know the elements of the offence and you know the offence with which they are looking to charge you with, which they may or may not be telling you when they first speak to you, they should be telling you if they arrest you, you're arrested on suspicion of X. X may be theft, or taking without consent, burglary and so on. And so we get to lots of different offences with lots of different elements of each of those offences. And unless you know what they are, you don't know what the police are asking you about. And if you don't take legal advice, you don't know what is the right thing or the wrong thing, or whether to say nothing at all. Sometimes the advice of your lawyer will be to say nothing at all, to produce a no-comment interview. Now, of course, that will result in an adverse inference being drawn uh, by a jury in court because you gave a no-comment interview. And even saying that you relied on your solicitor's advice will not remove the adverse inference. But sometimes your lawyer may still advise that you give a no-comment interview. Because, for example, if you are easily uh, angered or easily frustrated, you may ultimately say the wrong thing or even your demeanour and the way you act during that interview may make you look guilty, even if you're not. And if you look guilty and sound guilty during that interview and it's ultimately played back by, to a jury, the jury may well believe that you were being deceitful during the interview, even if you were being entirely honest but somewhat angered by the situation. So as I said, there are few occasions when it might be sensible to talk to the police. If you know categorically you were not in a certain location and you can prove it conclusively there and then, I was here, I was not there, then perhaps it might be quicker and swifter just to very easily explain uh, your position so that the police don't question you any further. But more often than not, and particularly if there is any possibility that you have been involved in what they are questioning you about whether they tell you that or not the advice is don't talk to the police well, the suggestion from your lawyer may well be don't talk to the police but as i say as a final reminder this video cannot be taken as legal advice because it would not apply to your specific situation and necessarily that is why you should always seek 
for more legal advice before saying anything. I hope you found this video useful and I hope you found something in it that will be useful to you or interesting to you. If you do, please do like the video and subscribe. That does help my channel grow. Uh, thank you for allowing me to thank my sponsor in the middle of this video. And as always, thank you very much for watching.